When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Now on the agenda today, we have Tottenham's first signing of the January transfer window, the latest on Pedro Porro. We'll be looking back at Monday's 1-0 win over Fulham and then also looking ahead to Saturday evening's FA Cup clash away at Preston North End. Joining me as ever, Alice the Gold. Ali, how are you? Yeah, well, I'm all right. It's not been too bad a week for Spurs for change in recent weeks, but how are you? It's obviously been a, a more difficult <laughs> week for you. Uh, no, I'm fine now. Tuesday was an interesting day, uh, to say the least. I mean, it wasn't just, I know, Dan Juma doing a massive U-turn and uh, going from Everton to Tottenham. An awful lot happened at Goodison Park, and I think... What someone said on social media was right the other day. It was like Everton are just some, some sort of social experiment. They're just trying to test test us all. And Tuesday <laughs> was certainly a challenging a day like no other. I don't think Tuesday can be topped, to be honest, but you never know in the world of Everton. I thought you called him something there. I thought you called him a massive, and I realised you said U-turn. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, wow, we've got in hard right at the start of the episode. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about him. Well, you might have a new manager soon anyway, playing some sexy football, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looks like Sean Dyche, as long as he keeps <laughs> us up. That's the main thing. I, I think it's the right choice, to be honest, but there we go. We'll see. We'll see. So, right, what shall we start with? I Only one place, really. We really have to start with, with him, you know. With um, Unfortunately, I think it has to be Arnold Danjuma. Um, I mean, did he actually have... Were there photos circulating of him actually in the Everton stuff doing his media? Uh, I've not seen the photos yet, but I think as everyone uh, is reporting, you know, the medical had been done. His media stuff was done and dusted as well. And I think Everton were looking to make that announcement on Tuesday, obviously a loan deal from Villarreal until the end of the season. Someone who could give, you know, the team a much-needed lift in the final third. It seemed a, a really, really, really good uh, signing for then. Yeah, Tottenham came in, his head was turned and then headed down to London. He was at Hotspur Way on Tuesday to undergo his medical and he's he's now a Tottenham player. Yes, quite the turn of events. I mean, it sounds like I think he started to get cold feet when they sacked Lampard. It sounds like, didn't it? He started to realise maybe something's not quite right here. I mean, that's what some are saying, but surely he'd have known beforehand anyway. Lampard was in a precarious position and potentially could have been going. So yeah. I don't know what and it he is. He still so. went and did all the stuff, didn't he? Still yeah. went and did all the media stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounded like. Obviously, a sheet wasn't sent into the FA, whether that was from the player himself or from Villarreal. I'm not sure who it was, but that wasn't sent. So, you know, a deal wasn't completed and that allowed Tottenham to nip in. Uh, So Spurs 
have a new January signing in Arnau Danjuma, uh, loan deal until the end of the season uh, with an option to buy. We understand that is 24 million euros around that figure. So yeah. that equates to about tw- just over 21 million pound. So Which is, if, if he's a big success, that's a great fee, really. I'd imagine the loan fee itself is nominal. Um, yeah, it's an interesting transfer. It's one of those where... If you'd asked any Spurs fan, probably at the start of the window, so do you want Arnold Danjuma? <laughs> They'd probably gone, like, who or what? Or probably some of them might have gone, that's not very exciting. But I do think as a squad signing, I really can't see too much wrong with it, to be honest. Uh, yes, it's not, you know I, know, I know everyone craves ambition and things like this. And every signing you want to really be someone that, is a new first 11 player, really, that pushes someone out and creates that incredible competition. But there's nothing to say that he can't do that. He had a terrific season last year, had a really good season. Champions League scored something like, was it six goals in 11 games? Something like that. He had a terrific Champions League campaign as Villarreal reached the semis. Um, did pretty well in the league as well. Um, and what he brings is... He's someone that's going to go at the man. He likes to beat a man, likes to dribble. He's a big physical presence as well. He, he's It's such a cliche, but he is a classic Conte player. He's got a bit of skill, but he's also physically, you know, he, let's be honest, he likes a bruiser. He likes someone that is going to work hard, put their body on the line and, and kind of and uh, be, um, how do I how put this? It's like, almost like a soldier on the pitch for him. He does like those kind of players. And um, yeah, I, th- I think he fits fits the bill for that, and he'll you know he'll push Sonny down the left. You know, Sonny obviously has not been in the greatest of form, whereas now with Danjuma, you've got someone that very much is naturally a left sided player. Um, often likes to kind of cut in off that left flank, so it, it puts a little bit more pressure on Son, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think maybe he needs to feel that competition uh, to get him back to where he was. So, yeah, it's interesting, especially the option to buy, because from what it seemed, I think when it was at Everton, I think Everton was just a, was a straight loan, I think. I've got a feeling. I, d- I don't remember seeing anything about there being an option when it came to them. Uh, so for Spurs to have inserted that in there shows that they do believe that he could end up being a success. And if he is, for an attacker, for 20 million or 21 million, that's that's very good business. Um, which he's got number 16, I think he's got as well, hasn't he? Who's the last yeah. player to have that? I'm trying to think. Kyle Walker-Peters, I believe. Oh, I don't think yeah, anyone's yeah. won it since. There you go. The the, the coveted uh, number 16 <laughs> shirt. Um, yeah. No, I, I think it's uh, a good deal. Like, you know, like we said, he's versatile. He'll be able to play down the left, but he'll also be able to play through the centre when required as well. Um, I, if I'm perfectly honest, if I try and look at it with my like kind of trying to get into his head i uh, it's really difficult to say because on, on different levels i i can see how champions league football would be an attraction albeit obviously if spurs were to mess up against milan it's only two games and the fact that of course it's a club in a far better position right now than everton but i would say in terms of the week in week out would he have started for you guys pretty much every week i would have thought so especially if yeah yeah no, they'd have been first choice 100% yeah, so I don't really understand it from a player's point of view. Um, I was just about to make you talk about that, despite how difficult that probably is. But what do you think? Do you think 
what uh, I don't know if you're going to be slightly biased in this question, but you know, what would you have done in the player's position? Uh, I can I can see why he's chosen Tottenham over Everton. Uh, I mean, look at the league position Everton in the battle to stay in the Premier League. Tottenham pushing for a Champions League place, have Champions League football uh, to come in just over two weeks' time away at AC Milan. So. I can understand why it has chosen Tottenham, but then again, how many minutes are you going to get at Spurs compared to Everton where you would be playing week in, week out? Because right now we need an attacking player who can have a big impact in the final third, whether that's by creating goals or scoring them uh, himself. We need a player of that calibre given the position we're in. Uh, But Dan Juma, what strikes me about him Seems a very confident player, uh, lots of hunger, lots of desire to improve his game. So obviously he's going to come to Tottenham with the self-belief that he can get into this Tottenham team and, you know, try and make the position his own. So you've got to admire that confidence uh, in the player, especially when you've got the likes of Son at the club, Richarlison, Harry Kane, Dane Kulisewski already in that attack. It's going to be quite hard, but Look at what he did for Villarreal last season. Had such a good year uh, in Spain. 16 goals, 10 of those in the Liga, 6 of those in the Champions League. Two of those were in the knockout phase, uh, one against Juventus, one against Bayern when you know Villarreal made the semis against the odds. So it's a bit of a surprise he's left uh, for me, but I think he had a, a bit of a muscular injury at the start of the yeah. season, so that's probably limited his football. But he's still got six goals this season. So that's still a decent return to say minutes may have been limited. So I think it's a good signing for Spurs. Uh, I think it's a a shrewd signing and hopefully he can um, make a big impact. He just owes me now. He's got to be scoring goals against these teams in and around the drop zone. I think you need to put that to him when you next get him in the mix zone. (laughs) If you're not scowling at him. Um, Yeah. I think also probably Unai Emery going was probably another factor. I think he and Emery kind of got on quite well. Um, he was getting the best out of him as well. I think that was another element to it. And like you say, I think the injury problems as well have played a part. I think the self-belief thing is going to be a very interesting thing. Everyone I've spoken to who kind of uh, has either played with him or knows him said, yes, there's certainly no issue with self-belief. He's um, Yeah, definitely has lots of that. And it'll be interesting to see how maybe going from being a bigger fish in some smaller ponds to being at Tottenham where he's absolutely got a battle to try and get even minutes, let alone starts. Um, because, you know, if he looks at the bench, Conte, and he see, you know, Richarlison will be ahead of him right now. Um, the whole Richarlison dynamic actually is quite interesting now because Danjuma coming in probably prevents... Maybe Richarlison being the left-sided option. You'd think Richarlison now switches to being the right-sided option, or the or even also the Kane um, alternative. So yeah, well, we're going to talk about it in a bit. But where that leaves Brian Hill, just like waving from the sidelines, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's a, a good signing. I think um, as always, Guesty and I, especially Guesty right now, we're always quite hot on the. Um, what do you call it, non-locally trained player element for Spurs' European squad, as everyone knows, because they're always asking us. Um, tell us what this means for the Champions League squad. 
Right. What this means is, as it stands, Tottenham are going to have to take out one of their non-homegrown players as they are now as the way on the limit of 17 before the signing of Dan Juma. So someone is going to have to make way. The rules do differ between the Premier League and uh, UEFA competition. So whereas in the Premier League, I think Brian Hill, Pape Matasar can be under 21 players. They can't in Europe because they've not been at Tottenham for two consecutive seasons. Also, Matt Doherty is classed as a foreign player in UEFA competition compared to homegrown in the Premier League. So there's always been issues. We know that. So one player has to make way. Uh, so a few more days until the end of the transfer window. If someone departs, maybe Brian Hill, maybe Lucas Mora, who knows, then there will be a gap. But with potentially Pedro Porro coming in as well, Tottenham will need to free up two spaces. So, yeah, big choice coming up. I wonder, with Lucas... You know, from everything I understand, there's still no return date in sight for him. I wonder if they just don't register him for the Champions League. I think we wonder if we're at the point now where they think, well, you're probably not going to play in the games against Milan. Um, and, sh- you know, do we put you in over someone else? Obviously, yes, it depends on who goes out the window um, in the last couple of days. But, yeah, it's interesting because it's very, like, let's say... I don't know, let's say Jed Spencer, we know is likely to go out on loan. He doesn't really affect that, does he? So that's not someone that's going to help you out in, in the foreign player thing. Um, yeah, and also whether you take a young person, you know, I don't think you'd leave, let's say, Sar sticks around. I don't think you'd want him out of that squad either. It's, yeah. How many times have Spurs had this situation and you and I have had to talk about who's going to get left out? It's it's mad, but it's something that Spurs just for some reason. Well, I say for some reason. I think it's the whole um, the likes of Davies and Doherty and people like that that kind of cause a bit of an issue when it comes to some of these. Um, although they changed one, was it that was that for UEFA? Was that Welsh players? Yeah, uh, UEFA they changed it in the summer because we believed at the time. Tottenham oh, yeah. were going to be in this position uh, at the start of September, needing to leave one player out who we thought would be Pape Matassar, but uh, UEFA changed rules. So uh, if you come through the system in Wales, it's now like affiliated with England. So basically Ben Davis is classed as a homegrown player in UEFA competition. And the same for Joe Roden. If he comes back next season, he will be classed as a homegrown player in UEFA competition. So that has made life, it made life easy for Tottenham in August, but now with, you know, potentially one or two, foreign players coming in through the door they're now going to need to uh, take players out so to be honest it doesn't affect Matt Doherty does it though because it's British no no it's not, yeah yeah, yeah Do- Doherty's fine so for or me not, fine. not as in he's yeah. not fine is he oh no sorry Doherty yeah. is not non-homegrown yeah in uh, in Europe. Europe so yeah. for me I think the two at risk Brian Hill and yeah. Lucas uh, if if Lucas, obviously, there's no clear return date yet, he'd be the one for me who yeah. I, I, I'd take out. At the end of the day, it might only be for two games anyway. Spurs could quite easily get knocked out at the round of 16. Really. <laughs> Thanks for that happy thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, I'd go with Lucas because I think Brian can have an impact now, whereas Lucas, you just don't know. 
So yeah, yeah I, th- I think I do think we'll end up having to make um, it being two decisions to be made. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, just before we go on to Pedro Porro, uh, something I forgot to mention about mm. Dan Juma, what quite a few might find interesting. He actually employs his own personal trainer, nutritionalist, and I believe he's got his own individual striker coach, or he works with one on a daily basis at Villarreal after training. So I think that's some something that will appeal to Antonio Conte. It's like his type of player. He just wants to improve and better himself, and I think that'll go down really well with the manager. And then also something what, uh, George Sessions from the PA was telling me the other day, you know, three years on from Steven Bergwijn's debut goal against Man City, could Dan Juma be doing that uh, next Sunday in the Premier League when City come to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Yeah, well, you've just made me think of a question, really. And this is this is kind of one that I think a lot of people on Twitter have, has been asking. I know, I think I know the answer, but I want to see what your answer is. What was the point in getting rid of Bergwijn if you were going to bring in another left-sided Dutch international who actually, I think, is behind Bergwijn in the pecking order in the national team? No, I completely understand it, but I think you've just got to look at it from Bergwijn's point of view. He wanted to go back to Ajax and play football. There's no point having an unhappy player at the club. We saw it last season, even after those important goals in the international breaks for the Netherlands and then it's two at Leicester City, uh, the score against Newcastle at home. Lucas was still coming on ahead of him in games and Lucas was struggling at the time. So, yeah, I can understand where fans are coming from, but I think you just got to look at that one from a a player's perspective. He scored 11 goals in 24 games as well as Stevie B. He's having a good season with Ajax. Um, Yes, but I I get it. Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. It's one of those where you can't just keep a player as as a kind of almost like a prisoner. Uh, He just wanted to play football. And I think he was one of these guys that if he wasn't playing, he was not a happy bunny. Um, And you kind of don't want people in a dressing room that clearly are... Are un- you know are hacked off? They're unhappy. They they really want to be playing. You want kind of yeah. You want a happy camp. So now, I, I, as much as it pained me because I did believe that he was going to could have ended up being something. Um, I think it was probably the right move for all parties in the end. But yes, yeah. we look to the future. Right, looking to the future. Then Pedro Porro. All Tottenham fans are desperate for this deal to get over the line. Transfer deadline day on Tuesday. Ali, what's the latest with him? Well, this is the thing. Such is the, <laughs> the crazy way of the transfer window. You know, we're recording this. Here we are on Friday morning, um, almost, almost what we almost at midday, uh, about half an hour till midday. By the time this goes out, anything could have changed in Portugal. But as it stands at this moment, as we are speaking into our microphones, uh, it is still there's a little bit. I wouldn't say an impasse, but it's just, it's dragging. The negotiations are dragging a bit. Spurs, definitely, there's a there's a frustration there. It's, it's one of those, where I don't want to go too negative because there is still a fair bit of confidence that the deal is going to go through. Um, and it sounds like from both sides as well. But there is a bit of a, a growing frustration at the moment from Spurs, which, yes, I know is a bit ironic <laughs> when you waited until right at the end of the window to try and do the deal. But um, there is a bit of frustration that they feel like uh, the Porto, uh, Porto sporting end of things. It's um, 
yeah, it's all slowed down a bit. And how do we put this? There's, it's strange because I think we all know that he's very likely to end up playing in their League Cup final, um, the Taka de Liga final against Porto on Saturday night. I think we all know that that's likely to happen. And I think, to be honest, I don't think Spurs have got any real issue with that. So I don't really understand why there's not a, an ability to just get this deal done, all bar a final agreement that comes after the final. Because obviously, you know, heaven forbid it doesn't happen, but he could get injured in the final and it could absolutely stuff the whole thing. Um, but yeah, just, there's just this little kind of thing at the moment. Obviously, everything with the player seems to be absolutely done. The player wants to come. Um, I know there's been talk of a big old five and a half year contract for him as well out there. Um, and yeah, it's just a case really of kind of tying up these last few bits because from what I understand, I don't think there's any issue about um, paying the required money. That doesn't seem to have been a thing. Um, even kind of hearing in recent days that Spurs were fine about paying the release clause of 39.5 million. Although from what I understand, I think Portuguese release clauses are slightly different. So we're, we're kind of used to maybe the La Liga ones where literally, I think you just take the money and don't they go to the FA and deposit it or something? And that, something that along those lines, yeah. yeah. But from what I understand that in other countries, it's a little bit more complicated with the release clause in that, you know, there can be such things as notice periods that you've got to give when, when paying the release clause. There can be, um, oh, what was the other one I said? Uh, I was told another one as well. Um, just various other caveats in there that make it not quite. But for what it seems like is that Spurs are going to end up paying roughly the same amount as a release clause at 39.5 million. But it will be a structured deal over a few years, which is, you know, it's no shock. It's what most clubs do. Um, it's just getting these final little details in place. Um, yeah, I mean... We know that they're looking for their replacement for Poro as well, um, sporting. So perhaps that's an element they want to make sure that that's absolutely locked in before they agree to anything. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's almost at this bit where uh, there's always one transfer with Spurs, isn't there, that drags on and on and on. It was Jed Spence last year. Uh, sorry, last year. Oh, it was last year now. Um, when, honestly, the amount of journalists that were clearly just going... Let's just say it's done. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's not done. It's really not done. Um, honestly, must have, Jen Spence must have had a deal agreed about five times before eventually about a month later it happened. Um, and I feel like we're a bit like that with Porro. And look, I, I, I absolutely understand any frustrations because if they're willing to pay the release clause now, why didn't they just pay the release clause at the beginning of the month Um just purely because I think they felt that they could spread it out over these payments, which is a better structure for them. But, um, you know, as someone pointed out to me quite rightly a couple of weeks back when I was talking about the release clause thing is that technically you could still pay the release clause, but borrow the money and pay that over installment. So you could kind of do it either end, couldn't you? Uh, which was a very valid point. So, yes. So at the moment, it's all a little bit slow and dragging along. Um, but you'd imagine once you get Saturday night out of the way, then you can start getting things properly confirmed, getting him across for a medical. I mean, you've got till Tuesday to get it all done. I think the worry that everyone probably has right now is that certain team across London that just keep 
like the guy from Little Britain, just keep going, I want that one, and just kind of literally picking whoever anyone else signs. Um, of course, we're talking about Chelsea, and I think they are after a right back, aren't they? I think they kind of keep an eye on one because of um, Rhys James' various issues. So, yeah, I think there's always going to be that little fear the longer it takes. But um, Spurs hope they get it done, but obviously don't want a repeat of Luis Diaz in uh, January when that seemed like it was heading towards its conclusion. And Liverpool suddenly went, now nah, you're all right. Um, which, yeah, I guess you, you can delight in now with the Dan Juma stuff. <laughs> it's, that, it's happened to Spurs. Spurs had that with Willian as well. That was the worst one for Spurs. Um, but yeah, I think Porro will be a good signing. I do think if they can get it over the line, he's a player that ticks both boxes. He's a player for Conte, I think, but he's also a player for a potential post-Conte era. Um, he's someone that the club have looked at for a few years. And, um, you know, obviously he had that time at Man City. So I'll have had a little bit, obviously, I don't think he played. Did he even play a first team game? I don't think he did. But at least he'll have been adjusted to the culture, to the lifestyle, uh, the way of football, having probably no doubt played various Premier League two games and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. It just now would mean what happens next with Spurs' army of right wing backs. They're going to have to sort that out. Yeah, and obviously we've got to go into outgoings now, so no better place to start than Jed Spence. Uh, I think we reported the other day that Tottenham have given uh, the green light for the player to go out on loan uh, this month. A number of interested clubs, including Brentford and Leicester City, I think Crystal Palace, Bayer Leverkusen, also mentioned there. Yes, Southampton I think as well. I've been looking. So I think now it's just the case and of Leon. 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 Well. Yeah. yeah. Leon a bit of interest. So some good options there. It's just a case of finding the right club. And I think as you reported, Ali, Tottenham won't be accepting, you know, is it permanent options or having clauses in the loan deal to buy him. Tottenham yeah. see him basically as their player going forward, but now it's just about finding that temporary loan deal to ensure he gets the games he needs and then can come back next year and try and make the position his own. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we understand that there was a bid from uh, Brentford uh, with, a, I think it was an obligation to buy that was was turned down before it really got anywhere, um, which is a good sign because, look, it is absolutely ridiculous that Jed spent signed in the summer and now we're talking, what, five months later and he's potentially or likely to head out the door. It's ridiculous. It's it's a poor um, it's a poor strategy, really, isn't it? It's buying someone that you think is perfect for a manager, but the manager had no real interest in ever playing him. Um, so, yeah, not great. Um, and I don't think uh, Jed Spence is desperate to leave Spurs either, as in, you know, permanently. Um, I'm sure he wants to make his case uh, as a Tottenham player for for years to come. And <clears throat> let's be honest, with, with Conte and the way his future is always up in the air, you'd probably believe that all you've got to do is go out on loan and, and maybe you come back to a different manager for next season. Um, obviously, Porro coming in, if he does, which we hope he does, that's, that creates a lot more competition. But I'm still not entirely convinced that Emerson Royale his long-term future lies at Tottenham. So you've kind of got that in the back of your mind. And obviously Matt Doherty is in his 30s now. So you probably don't have to look at and see Porro as the absolute roadblock that maybe you might think he would be because, it, you know, it could end up being Spence and Porro are the ones 
uh, maybe even for next season. Who knows? Um, as the two dueling uh, right backs, obviously you've got Destiny um, your Doggy as well coming on the left. Someone pointed out that right hand side of Spurs um, was Romero, Porro, Bentoncourt, and Kulusevski. <laughs> That's a hell of a right hand side. Uh, once that gets going. Um, obviously, we need to get Poro through the door first, but that's that's very exciting. Um, yeah. Oh, one thing before I forget to mention it. Uh, from what I understand, Spurs aren't necessarily going to stop with Poro in terms of being their last transfer. Um, as we reported, God, we reported this way back in December, the priorities were a right wing back and an attacker. That looks like the, you know, Dan Juma and Poro are about to hopefully be done and that's those two but also if there's an opportunity that arises so they can push any of their summer plans forward and we know the summer plans were a left-sided or right-sided center uh, back or a central midfielder um, or maybe even another attacker depending on what happens with Brian Hill um, they'll they'll take that opportunity so one to keep an eye out for just in the last couple of days it doesn't necessarily mean they'll stop at two if something arises that uh, just means that you know you can get it in place now rather than the summer, I suppose a bit like Liverpool did with Diaz. You know, if you feel that there's a window opening, do you know what I'm quite interested that they haven't made a move for um, Western McKenney because Paratici is such a huge fan of Western McKenney to see that he might now be heading to Leeds. I do find that one really interesting that they haven't thought. Maybe, although I don't know, <laughs> maybe maybe Spurs um, and Juventus dealing together right now might not be the best thing for anyone. Um, so perhaps that's playing a part as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of outgoings, Jed Spence, I think that's pretty much, I think we'd say that's about 90% likely that he's going to be heading out on loan. Um, I still think they'd like to get another of the right wing backs out because you don't really want three senior right wing backs. That makes very little sense. As to who that will be, I don't think Emerson Royale has any interest whatsoever in leaving Tottenham Hotspur um, because you know he's just loving life right now. Obviously, scored against Man City, started again against Fulham, um, and played well against Fulham as well. Um, but. I still think Spurs, if they were to get a good offer for him, would listen to it. And then the thing is, is if you can't get Emerson out the door, you know, do you start to listen to anything that comes in for Matt Doherty? Um, I think that would be a huge shame myself because I think we've seen with Matt Doherty, when he gets a run of games, he's a good fit for what Conte wants. Uh, you're not going to get as much as you would for Emerson Royale because of his age. But I wonder whether in the last few, like, or last 48 hours or so of the window, I wonder if Matt Doherty, knowing that his game time is shrinking and shrinking and almost to nothing. And we asked him, I think earlier in the season, he had no interest in leaving Spurs. It was during the summer window. I just wonder whether he has to reevaluate. Re I do think it'd be a shame because he's a very, very po actually. It's funny both the right wing backs are massively popular characters in the Spurs squad. Both Doherty and Emerson Royale. Um, so yeah, we see what happens with that. I think Brian Hill is going to be one that now comes into focus again. Um, Christian Stellini only told me a couple of weeks ago that yep, no, Brian Hill's sticking around. He's not going anywhere. But I wonder with Dan Juma coming in whether, like I say, that pushes Richarlison across to being a right-sided next option. 
or alternative, Brian Hill then becomes third choice, doesn't he, really, in any role? Um, and even then, you know, whether he'd played Anjuma down the right as well, or, or Sonny can go across to the right, or Perisic can go to the right. I just feel there's so many people ahead of him now. Um, and I can't make up my mind. If Brian Hill goes, whether you need to replace him. There's a part of me that thinks you do, because you're back down to the same amount of numbers. But then I guess you do have Perisic, who can play on the left or right as well. I mean, what do you think? Uh, for me, I'd probably just keep Brian Hill at the club this month, even though Dan Juma's coming in, because you need to have those six attacking options, you know, to, to who can play through the middle, two on the right, two on the left. What we've seen this season is a host of injuries to key players as well for like a lengthy yeah. period of time. And that's why Brian Hill was getting game time uh, at the turn of the year. So the business end of the season, you don't want to be leaving yourself too short because one thing you can't guarantee on at the moment is Lucas Morris fitness because, mm. you know, he played what a handful of games in August, had a lengthy period out, came back for a couple and we've just not seen him since. So given the importance of, you know, wanting to finish in the top four, go strong in the Champions League and the FA Cup, you can maybe see why make a case for keeping Hill uh, at the club this month just to ensure that there's plenty of options there. So that's uh, certainly one to keep an eye on. Things can change in the last few days of the transfer window. I think, as you were mentioning, Matt Doherty, I think it's all going to depend on offers coming in as well and the good thing with Doherty is he can cover it on the left if need yeah, be you know Ryan Sessignon's had a number of injuries when he's been at the club and you know that could be the case in the re remaining months of the season he could pick up uh, another knock so Doherty could then go across and cover I just think you just need to have enough options you just can't leave yourself too short at this time of the year but as well as incomings, yeah, we can probably see outgoings uh, coming on. Things happen in the final few days of the window, what you don't expect. So oh, There's always one. Yeah. There's always one where you and I are like, what? This player's been linked with a move? And we have to kind of really dig into it because it comes out of absolute left field. So, yeah, absolutely. It could be anyone like Davinson Sanchez, let's say. Suddenly, yeah. Yeah. someone might come in for him. Uh, Jaffet Tenganga, you know, we've spoken about him. He could go. There could be a late loan move for maybe one of the young midfielders, you know, Harvey White, even Saar, maybe even Skippy. There could be a late loan move comes in and the club have to seriously think, is it more beneficial for them to play every minute at this other club? Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned a few minutes ago about Tottenham and Juventus doing transfer <laughs> deals, in the news uh, last Friday was Fabio Peratici. Uh, you were covering the story. Do you want to just fill everyone in and basically just tell everyone the latest on what's happening oh. with him? Yes, Fabio Peratici. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yes. So, if you, if you missed it, late on Friday night, um, the Italian Football Federation, um, they've been hearing essentially an appeal by prosecutors to revoke um, an acquittal that they gave to, it was Juventus, and I think it was nine other clubs, I'm trying to remember what it was now, um, in Serie A about 
I think the best way to say it is, I guess financial irregularities covers it all. Essentially, I think they were accused of inflating transfer fees for financial kind of gains. I'm trying to remember the exact expression. So what happened, long story short, because there's a lot of details to it, um, all the other clubs got um, their acquittal remained. They were absolutely fine. However, with Juventus, with a lot of the evidence that came out of what I think it's called the PRISM, P-R-I-S-M, um, uh, investigation that went on, Juventus, yeah, they're in big trouble. Um, there's a lot, everyone pretty much involved, or a lot of the main figures involved got hefty bans. And unfortunately, the person who was clearly seen to have been the most um, instrumental or whatever you want to call it, because he got the biggest ban, was Fabio Pratici, a 30-month, so two-and-a-half-year ban from anything that falls within the auspices of Italian Football Federation. Um, and that has they have asked for that to be extended by FIFA and UEFA to a global ban. And I think... From what I understand, Spurs are pretty much bracing themselves for that being a very real possibility. Um, and I was looking it up as well. I think he will also fall foul of the Premier League's fit and proper test for owners and directors um, because within those rules, it says you cannot have a ban from any other country's football association, which obviously is the case. The only caveat to that I'd say is whether he is a true director of Tottenham Hotspur, whether it's in title alone, because if you look on Company's House, he's not listed among the directors. However, if you go into the Premier League's handbook, he is listed among the directors. It's very confusing. Um, but yeah, it doesn't bode well. It doesn't really bode well at all. Um, Juventus have announced their intent to appeal. So how the appeal process, whether that slows things up, that's another thing to take into account. However, I should also add that UEFA uh, have, um, I think it was in December, they gave the go-ahead for an independent commission to also investigate things going on at Juventus. So you've got that as well. And I think the PRISM, P-R-I-S, I, I need to keep clarifying because it sounds like I'm saying PRISM. <laughs> I'm not PRISM with an M. Uh, I think that investigation also could have further reaching consequences too. So there's a lot of eyes going, uh, looking at what happened at Juventus. Um, and yeah, clearly with Fabio Paratici, it's, yeah, at the moment, it's certainly not um, in a good way for him. And I found it really interesting for the Fulham game. We're used to, you and I, seeing Paratici sat a couple of rows behind the dugout, absolutely going mad during matches. You honestly, he screams at officials. He gets so wound up that whoever the poor player is that has to sit next to him gets it in their ear the whole game as he moans about everything. But on Monday night at Craven Cottage, he was up there in the director's box, sat very sedately watching the game alongside all the kind of uh, the club hierarchy. So whether that's a kind of a bit of an indication of the disconnect that we're now going to see between him and, and the first team... Um, I do think it becomes very difficult for him. Whatever the result of appeals and things like that, there's this kind of almost being associated with what's gone on at Juventus for Tottenham. And I don't think that's a good thing, especially obviously when you've brought in two players from Juventus as well in the January transfer window. 
I just wonder whether we get to a point where for all parties it becomes very, very difficult to be associated with each other. You know, that may not end up being the case, but I just think from a, a PR perspective, especially with Spurs and everything that's going on right now as well, you know, they had uh, there was a little kind of little but small but noisy group of fans protesting outside the uh, training ground on Saturday as well against Daniel Levy and Enoch, the owners. Um, and obviously, we've heard chants, haven't we, at every game for uh, getting get Daniel Levy out of our club. So I think right now, kind of having anything to do with someone that's, you know, whatever he's done for Tottenham, and many good signings that he's done for Tottenham. And I'm sure behind the scenes, the structure he's created has been very beneficial. But it's not a good look. And I think that's the big problem they face now as well. Um, Spurs very much have not commented on the situation and, and aren't at this stage. Um, it was made very clear to us ahead of the post-Fulham uh, press conference that Antonio Conte would not be answering any questions about Fabio Paratici. And I imagine it will be very similar today when we speak to Christian Stellini. Um, yeah, it's um, it's not been a good week for Spurs in terms of news uh, behind the scenes. But funnily enough, on the pitch and maybe in the transfer market, they're actually starting to turn things around a bit. Yeah. Before we get on to action on the pitch, Ali, do you want to just tell everyone about the benefits of not using NordVPN? Of course. Yes. Uh, as you may be well aware, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. And you can use their service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world. So that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling, as I've had to do many times. Not throttle my bandwidth, but um, you know, watching various uh, things on platforms that I can access here in the UK because I pay for them. But when you go abroad, for some reason, there's restrictions on what you can do. So you can just make your device think it's in the UK. You can just watch all those things that you are actually paying to watch. Uh, and likewise, you can also access things from other countries, as well as it being very safe and secure for your files and stopping people, uh, those nasty hackers getting into your devices to take your stuff. And not only that, but the outlay on NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. Um, because as I say, you could purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. For example, YouTube Premium is just 85p if you change your virtual location to Argentina, and booking flights from other countries can be cheaper too. So that means you're paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall. There are a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right, let's discuss Monday's 1-0 win at Fulham. It was certainly a much-needed win for Tottenham after those back-to-back defeats against Arsenal and Man City. Certainly wasn't pretty at times, but the main thing is Tottenham got the three points on the board. That was absolutely vital, regardless of how they played. And I think you've got to give credit to Fulham for how well they played in the first half. The... uh, impressed they've had a really really good season made the jump from the championship to the premier league look rather easy and you can see why they're riding high in the premier league table at the moment and there wasn't really a lot going for tottenham in the first 35 minutes but then 
after getting a few openings, there was just this moment of brilliance from Harry Kane on the edge of the area. It's a good play from Son to find him, and then Kane just turned his marker, swiveled, and you know, arrowed the ball into the bottom corner. And there was absolutely no chance uh, for Bird Leno to stop that ball from hitting the back of the net. The goal means Kane is now level on 266 goals with Jimmy Greaves as the club's all-time top scorer. And you certainly won't bet, bet against him uh, breaking that record on Saturday at Preston. As I was saying, you know, Tottenham maybe were at the best, but I think that's what good sides do when they're not playing at the best, they still manage to get three points on the board. And, you know, Ali, that was very much the case at Craven Cottage. Yeah, I mean, you said it wasn't a pretty game. I think it was beaten with the ugly stick repeatedly. <laughs> it really was not a, a nice game to watch. And unfortunately, yes, that has been a hallmark of some of the, uh, or a, a, probably a majority of the Spurs games this season. And it did follow the pattern of ropey first half, good end to the first half, decent-ish second half. Uh, so, yes, it followed that well-trod uh, path of this season. But, do you know what? Having said everything about, you know, the bad news this week and the bad vibes and the fans outside the training ground protesting, the fans chanting at the um, at all of the games, home and away, it's almost like the Spurs squad and coaching staff just put themselves in a little bubble, I think, and just kind of really... They, they had this big meeting on the Saturday um, ahead of the game, properly th like thrashed out all of the issues right now. Conte showed them stats, made it very clear where he feels that they've almost something they're lacking from last season. Um, and he admitted actually that his friends, he's actually had friends watching the Spurs games to give him their opinion that they all kind of corroborated what he was saying. The Spurs have just lost this. It's like a fight this element of wanting to protect a lead um, and or even get themselves in the position first to be in the lead is probably the most important thing. And yeah, it sounds like the players made their opinions known as well. I think sometimes it's quite cathartic, isn't it? Just to, well, probably a bit like us or me, especially in this podcast, is just to, is to get everything you think out there and then you're like, okay, right, we've said it all. Now what do we do about it? And I think that's very much what this meeting was about. And do you know what? I wouldn't also say that the players, I felt, were a bit back to their old fighting selves, but I actually thought Conte was. I feel like in recent games, without sounding too harsh, I think he's almost been a bit autopiloty. We've just seen him. He's just kind of looked quite down, quite dour. And, you know, this is a guy that early in the season was <laughs> like he was going to rip Thomas Dougal's head off at one point. Um, and I just felt like as... Monday night's game wore on. He got more and more animated, more and more like his old self. And when he was at the, went over to the fans, who I must say, the away fans at Craven Cottage were brilliant. The, you know, I'm always praising the away fans, but I actually think this might have been one of their best ever performances. It's such a cliche, but they were so the 12th man. You could hear them over the home support for most of the game. Everyone that I know who watched it on telly said that all you could hear was the Spurs fans. Um, and at the end, Conte went over to them with the players and he was snarling at them. He was pumping his fists. He was absolutely hyped up again. Um, and that's a big thing for Spurs for me. A slightly kind of autopilot, I wouldn't say disinterested, but just a kind of a, 
you know, we know he's had a really rough time, Conte, with, you know, three close friends dying in recent months. So we know he'll have been hit by that. And obviously his family have gone back to Italy now as well after the um, the winter holiday for for his daughter from school. So, yeah, we know he's not going to have been in the best of ways. But just to see him kind of almost reignite, I think that's a big thing for Spurs. Because whatever happens next, whatever the future, whatever whether he's there or not next season, we had all of this last season, and Conte just got down to work. And the second half of the season, Spurs were were excellent in most of the games. So if we can get back to that, then um, yeah, suddenly it all kind of clicks back into place. And yeah, we have to talk about Harry Kane, as you said. Spurs are so lucky to have Harry Kane. They really, I can't put it any other way. They are so fortunate to have Harry Kane. Um, I often wonder what a team, when we look at someone that play like nice football like Fulham and Brighton, another one, you put Harry Kane in their team. I, I genuinely think they're top four pushing right at the top of the league teams, whoever they are. And I think that just kind of shows you what Spurs might be without him. Um, I think yeah, he is so important for Spurs. He is there almost every time you need him. Harry Kane is there for you. Um, and yes, he's reached the 266 now. I noticed that I think some people are trying to say that Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Greaves scored a couple of goals in the charity shield that should get included. From what I understand, and this is definitely Spurs' perspective, is they weren't competitive goals. That wasn't considered a competitive competition back then. So it would be kind of similar to... I don't know if if Harry scored any in like the Audi Cup and things like that, you know, including those. So I think we can legitimately say two six six is fine. He is the joint leading scorer, and let's be honest, he's going to score more goals this season anyway. Um, and I think the most exciting thing I think it should be for Spurs fans right now is that all the indications that we're getting is that although there's no rush, he's very much focused on this season. Is that Harry Kane is quite happy to sit down and discuss a new deal when Spurs begin those negotiations. And that's huge. That really is so big. I'd just go as far to say, I'm going to ask you, I don't know if I asked you this before, but who's more important, Kane or Conte? And I think, I think it's Kane. I do. I do. As much as I think Conte could be the man to take Spurs to silverware, I just think it's such a huge hole that's left in Tottenham's team if they lose Harry Kane. You're essentially spending top money on two players just to re replicate what he does. And then there's no guarantee that you can replicate that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, where do you stand on that? It's, 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 they can't lose him, can they, surely? No, uh, Kane's the most important out of the two. Uh, I think you did ask me this last week. and <laughs> Nothing you, like repeating a podcast. No, we'll, we'll repeat <laughs> it. Uh, he's just so important to the team you know before he scored I think he only had four touches in the first 30 minutes and then suddenly burst into life after going around I think it was Tim Ream and having a shot over and then it was just that moment of brilliance at halftime that's what the top top players do and he you know, had a fever you... we forgot to yeah. mention that he actually had a fever and barely slept the night before yeah uh, that's what top players do you know, when you need it most, just that moment of class to give you the lead. And yeah, Tottenham can't afford to lose him. I know uh, with Conte, you know, the day before the game at Craven Cottage, there was a lot of talk about his future coming from Italy, basically saying, yeah, uh, he's, he's not going to be at Tottenham uh, next season. And I think Tottenham fans needed to see that bit of passion from Conte at the yeah. end of the game. I think 
they definitely needed to see that given you know all the questions uh up in the air and especially with Conte usually only staying for two or three seasons at clubs Kane's the one most important because at some point Conte will uh go somewhere else and Kane fingers crossed will still be at the club providing of course that he signs a new deal yeah and I should also say that the, the, all the all the kind of the noise stuff as well it's all coming from Harry Kane's side from you know those around him so it's quite clever in my mind that positioning maneuvering if you want to call it because it's exactly what Spurs fans want to hear but also if Spurs don't offer him the right contract and they don't show that they're willing to match his ambition then I think Harry Kane I think there's more of an understanding if Harry Kane were to end up let's say walking away in 18 months or even worse you know I don't know I don't know if Spurs would accept a bid next summer I think it's I think they'd rather have him for another year. I, I do. Um, but I think it, it, this is quite clever, this kind of positioning, because if the finger of blame essentially will point quite clearly to Daniel Levy and the uh, and Enoch if he heads off, because they'll say, well, he was willing to stay if you showed the same ambition, and you didn't. So, yeah, I think it's quite quite clever bit of manoeuvring. Yep. Right, let's move on to tomorrow evening's FA Cup fourth round clash away at Preston North End. Bit of a tricky tie this, potential banana skin because uh, we saw it last season. I think it was the fifth round away at Middlesbrough, uh, a 1-0 defeat. Probably one of the lowest moments in Antonio Conte's Tottenham reign. It was absolutely dreadful at the Riverside mm-hmm. Stadium. Uh Preston, they're going well in the championship so far. They're 11th, only three points off. I think it's fourth or fifth. So I think they'll be having ambitions of, you know, getting a top six finish and having that shot of Premier League football come next season. Uh, We know there's one Tottenham player already at the club in Troy Parrott. Unfortunately, he cannot play uh, due to FA Cup rules. So I think it's a game where Tottenham will be going there looking to get the job done straight away with good performance get a few goals and it's going to be interesting to see how exactly Spurs line up because Conte did go strong against Pompey in the previous round and I expect he'll do the same again at Deepdale yeah well obviously the game's spaced out enough isn't it you know you've had what's five days since Fulham um, you'll have eight until City. So, yes, you can afford to go quite strong. Having said that, I still feel like, especially after putting Kane through it when he had a fever, I mean, to be fair, it sounds like he very much volunteered himself to do it. I think surely, especially when Dan Juma is well now, coming into the fray, you can afford to give Harry Kane a rest. Surely. Have him on the bench, by all means, in case you need him. But surely you could have a front line of, you know, maybe Sonny, Danjuma and Richarlison perhaps. Give Kulisevsky a little bit of a break too. Although you might might feel he wants to give, maybe put Brian Hill in there and have Danjuma on the bench to come on. Um, he maybe feels that Brian Hill's earned that chance. Yeah, so I think you could go quite strong while also um, making a couple of changes. You'd think Basuma would come in as well for the for the minutes. Benson Kerr obviously has, has come back in. Uh, it's one of two ways you could look at it. You could either play Hoybier because um, Benson Kerr maybe would need a bit of a rest of, after suddenly having to come in and play two games in quick succession after six weeks out. 
Or the alternative is he might decide that Benton Kerr needs the minutes in his legs and Hoybier needs the rest. So you'd think one of those comes out for Basuma. Um, and then you can make a couple of changes at the back with probably Longley coming back in. Uh, Forster, you'd think, will come in in goal as well. Maybe Matt Doherty coming in at right wing back. Uh, I think it was Perisic side again, didn't it? So you'd think Cess on the left. Yeah, Sanchez could come in as well. So yeah. there's there's plenty of options. Uh, well, this is it. He can, he can go strong while making changes. It sounds weird, yeah, but you yeah. can actually do that for this game. Um, you can just rotate as you would have done if it had been a Premier League game. So, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. Uh, my dream is that Spurs loan Jed Spence to a Premier League club. Spurs get past Preston, then draw that Premier League club Spence has gone to so he can't play in the next round. And Spurs slowly make their way through the competition by drawing teams who have had players that they've on, got on loan. It was Dane Scarlett last round, wasn't it, Portsmouth? Now Troy. Um, yeah, let's give them an offensive threat that they can't actually use against us. Um, but that no, should be a good game. Um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy. It's definitely not one I can take for granted. Uh, but especially going into City, it could be a good game for some of these players to try and build up some momentum as well. Yeah, very much so. So, fingers crossed, Tottenham will be in the draw for the FA Cup fifth round. I'm assuming that draw will be taking place on Sunday. Uh, I think it's a midweek round once again, fifth round at the start of March. So, Right, I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot Tottenham. As ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.